Thank you for downloading another podcast from Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan. Dave and I enjoy so much getting together and telling old radio stories, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we continue our discussion of songs of the Old West, and I think you'll like the stories we tell. Thank you so much for listening to Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan. Welcome back, friends, to Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan, and uh, Dave Hogan, Randy Houston here by your side on the radio. Well, we're not on the radio. We're on the podcast machine. (laughs) I get, I get confused. We've been on the radio so much in our, uh, how many years, uh, we've, we've got a whole bunch of years of it's over a hundred years of radio between the two of us over a hundred years being on the radio, Dave. Wow. I don't want to talk about it, uh, but now I'm not sure I want to talk about that, <laughs> but we're going to go back a hundred years or more and, uh, continue our conversation about songs of the old West. And, kind of switch gears to this episode and talk about the singing cowboys. Let's talk first about, uh, well, singing cowboys might fit. Let's talk about the sons of the pioneers. Oh, please do. I'm a big fan. Tumbling tumbleweeds, cool water, cool water, both written by Bob Nolan. Okay. Who was one of the original members of the sons of the pioneers, the sons of the pioneers, the founding Members were Leonard Sly, Bob Nolan, and Tim Spencer. And then that was originally a trio. It was called the Pioneers Trio. And they had a radio show, and the announcer said one day, you know, you guys are too young to be pioneers. Why don't we call you the Sons of the Pioneers? (laughs) And so that name caught on, and the Sons of the Pioneers, up until recently, they may still some of them, uh, of course, all the original members are long gone, but other uh, singers kept the tradition going. One of the early members was Ken Curtis. Remember him? That was Festus on... Uh, Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, That's yeah. Festus, yeah. Ken Curtis was a member. And the way he talked, you would have never thought that guy could sing like he could, but boy, he was a great vocalist. Another member of the Sons of the Pioneers was Pat Brady. Okay. Now, you remember Pat Brady? No, I don't. He was Roy Rogers' sidekick. Oh, okay. the Roy Rogers Western movies. And he drove a Jeep. Uh, Roy drove a uh, road trigger, but uh, Pat Brady, his sidekick, uh, drove a Jeep. <laughs> and I remember the name of the Jeep. It was Nellie Bell. Nellie Bell. Nellie Bell was the name of the Jeep. In the Roy Rogers movies. Now, I mentioned that Leonard Sly was one of the founding members of the uh, Sons of the Pioneers. He also got into acting with the name of Len Sly, and he appeared in bit parts of Gene Autry's cowboy western movies. Gene Autry was the huge star in the 1930s on the screen doing Westerns. Yeah. And, uh, Lynn Sly had some bit parts. Well, Gene Autry had a, uh, falling out with Republic films over money and they needed a replacement for Gene Autry. 
because they weren't able to come to terms with him. Later they did, later on, and he, after World War II, made a lot more movies. This was in the late 30s. And they said, huh, we got this guy, Lynn Sly. He does a good job. Maybe we can turn him into a star. But that name, Lynn Sly, it just doesn't work. Don't get it. Don't work at all. So we need a cowboy name. Mm, Roy, that's a good name. Uh, one of the most famous people in America at that time, Will Rogers. Will Rogers. So Roy Rogers was born. Was born. I'll be darned. Yeah. Speaking of born, you know, he was born in Cincinnati. I didn't know that. And he was born. I had a chance to meet Roy Rogers and uh, his wife, Dale Evans, one time at the disc jockey convention in Nashville. Sat at the same table with them at a at an event. And Roy says, I was born where second base is at Riverfront Stadium <laughs> in Cincinnati. He was born in Cincinnati, and they built Riverfront Stadium on his old home place. That was Now, they built a new uh, baseball stadium in Cincinnati now called Great American Ballpark. But uh, Riverfront Stadium was the stadium up until a few years ago that the Reds played in. And Roy says, I was born on second base <laughs> at Riverfront Stadium. But he was a founding member of the uh, Sons of the Pioneers and went on to rival Gene Autry in popularity in the, in the cowboy films. I was uh, just about to remark, you're moving on up into, you know, from uh, Gene Autry's a little early for me, but Roy Rogers and <laughs> Dale Evans, mm, man, <laughs> you talk about big. Yeah. Roy was, uh, of course, Gene Autry was the businessman in the industry. He wound up owning a bunch of radio stations, TV stations, the original owner of the California Angels, now the Los Angeles Angels baseball team. Right. Gene Autry, a very wealthy man and a great businessman. But Roy was a great businessman, too, because he had the foresight. He'd seen how a lot of people had been taken advantage of in the at that time, young movie industry. So he had it in his contract that he had exclusive rights to his name, the name Roy Rogers. And so he was able to market it, market his name. And there were Roy Rogers lunchboxes, Roy Rogers uh, cap pistols, Roy Rogers air rifles, all kinds of Roy Rogers um collectible items. I was, uh, that is an amazing that you would bring that up. I was listening to, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. on his, uh, podcast recently. And he was talking about after, uh, shortly after Dale Earnhardt Sr. passed away, then the company kind of dissolved and he had a long legal battle to get his name back. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Mm-hmm. For the profitability, profitability of selling all that memorabilia. That exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Roy was, uh, uh, had a lot of foresight in that, uh, regard. And Roy said way back when he said, you know, trigger was about as famous as Roy was. His right. Horse. Right. And Dale's horse was buttermilk. <laughs> and, uh, Roy would say when, uh, trigger dies, I'm going to have him stuffed. 
And when I die, they're going to stuff me and set me right on top of Trigger. <laughs> well, it happened that Trigger died, and they did have him stuffed. I'd heard that. So uh, they also had buttermilk. Now, that's a challenge for a taxidermist, I'm sure. I'm sure. A uh, horse. But both uh, Trigger and Buttermilk were, quote, unquote, stuffed. That's the term that Roy used. By the way, Roy paid $2,500 for Trigger and I believe, 1938. Big money. Comparable to over $30,000 today. Big money. So you can see that was quite an outlay for Roy at that time, but he fell in love with uh, Trigger right from the right from the get-go. But anyway, uh, later on, as he reached retirement, he and Dale opened up the Roy Rogers Dale Evans Museum, which Margot and I had a opportunity to visit out in Victorville in Apple Valley in California. And they were both pack rats. There was everything in that museum from um, Roy's bowling shoes to Dale's bloomers. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, both Buttermilk and Trigger were there. Wow. But uh, the museum after... Roy and Dale passed on. Uh, son Dusty, he was known as Roy Rogers Jr., but they called him Dusty. Had a hard time uh, keeping the museum going, and they moved it to Branson, and still had a hard time uh, financially. And so, long story short, uh, Dusty auctioned off all of their memorabilia. I think it came to over three million dollars. Ooh because the museum just was not financially viable. But we really, I, and I hate that because I love museums. I love museums and really enjoyed the Roy Rogers Dale Evans Museum. Let's move along, talk a little bit about uh, one more song here, Cattle Call, which was written by Tex Owens and a huge hit by Eddie Arnold. That's the version I remember, yeah. Eddie Arnold. And then later, Eddie was joined by a young lady. Um, Deborah Allen? No. Um, I'll think of it in a moment. Not okay. Tanya Tucker, but. You keep talking about uh, <laughs> cattle calling. I'll look it up here. When the cattle are prowling and the coyotes are howling out under the western sky. The cowboy singing, his spurs are a jingling as down the trail he rides. The Lonesome Cattle Call. Cattle Call written by Tex Owens because Tex was staying in a motel and it was snowing. He looked out a motel window. There's a pasture nearby and it looked like the poor old cattle were huddled together to stay warm. And he said, I wish I could, uh, I wish I could do something for those cattle and Leanne Rhymes. Leanne Rhymes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. She joined Eddie Arnold and they had a later version of it was the same song, but they had a more modern, up to date version of Cattle Call and it's a hit all over again. But Tex and his band were playing 
they had a radio show called Red Horse Ranch on KMBC, Kansas City. He looked out the window, and he saw all those cows gathered trying to keep warm in that snowstorm. And he was that's where the, the title came to him, Cattle Call. Yeah. I wish I could call those cattle into a warmer place. <laughs> and right there he wrote, Cattle Call. We've mentioned a couple of uh, cowboy actors, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, and all those uh, cowboy movies. One of the biggest cowboy movies was High Noon. And Tex Ritter did the theme song. Do not forsake me, oh, my darling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Gary Cooper starred in High Noon. Tex Ritter was an interesting man. I had the pleasure of having him on one of our country shindigs at the Asheville City Auditorium. And okay. His son, John Ritter, at that time was a big star in uh, the on TV, acting in the... Uh, Hit mo- series. Uh, Three's Company. Three's Company, yeah. Three's Company. Hit TV series, yeah. And Tex had another son named Tom. Tom was born with cerebral palsy, and and Tom was with uh, Tex uh, in Asheville when Tex appeared on one of our country shindigs. Great guy. I love Tex Ritter. He told me a story. You know, he had a hit song called Green Grow the Lilacs, and Green Grow the Lilacs was made into a Broadway show. He told me that, and I think he did this on stage too. I think he told the story. He says that, you know, a slang word that Mexicans use for Americans, gringo. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he said during the Mexican-American War, and I may be wrong here, but I think it was the late uh, 1840s, when the Mexican-American War happened. That was a very popular song among American soldiers, Green Grow the Lilacs. Gringo. And, and the Mexicans thought they were saying gringo. gringo. <laughs> so they started calling them, the American soldiers, gringos. Gringo. After the song, Gringo, Green Grow the Lilacs. <laughs> that was the story that Tex Ritter told. Some other Western movies you'll remember, Stagecoach. John Wayne and Andy Devine. I loved Andy Devine. He was a great sidekick to John Wayne. Uh, John Wayne had a number of Westerns like True Grit and The Magnificent Seven. And a young Clint Eastwood had a big cowboy movie called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Then there was Henry Fonda in Once Upon a Time in the West. And, uh, in later years, uh, Robert Redford and Paul Newman and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned on one of our podcasts, I think the last one, um, Kevin Costner and Yellowstone. Right. Well, Kevin Costner also starred in a, a Western called Dances with Wolves. Filmed right here in Western North Carolina. Really? Yeah, that's right. I think so. I'm not sure about that because what was the I one filmed the, in Lake Lure area? 
Dances with Wolves. I'm no, pretty... no, that was Dirty Dancing. Dirty. Well, that was filmed there also. Yeah, Dirty Dancing. Dances with Wolves was out in the West. It was, was it? Okay. Yeah, all those Western scenes I remember I'm vividly. I'm mistaken about that. But I don't think it was filmed in in Western North Carolina. But you never know with movies now how they can. Very true. Yeah. And now, uh, in addition to uh, movies, TV came along and westerns moved from the movie theater to the television. Bonanza. Doom, 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 Hoss and Joe, Adam, no. <laughs> Lauren Green was, the name. Lauren yeah, Green yeah. was a Canadian who was Papa. Dances with Wolves was South Dakota. You're exactly right. Filmed in South Dakota. Okay, I remember those Western scenes. Bonanza was, oh man, you couldn't wait to get home from school in the afternoon to tune in to Bonanza. And I remember when Color TV first came into being, everybody said, boy, you ought to see Bonanza on Color TV. (laughs) Bonanza sold a lot of Color TVs. (laughs) Clint Eastwood and Rawhide. Oh, yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. A young yeah. Clint Eastwood. James Arness and Gunsmoke. Oh, yeah. And Miss Kitty. Oh, yeah. Wanted Dead or Alive, a young Steve McQueen. That launched his career. Back to Gunsmoke. Uh, Toby Keith had a, a more recent cowboy song called Should Have Been a Cowboy. Should Have Been a Cowboy. And he talks about in there how... Uh, Sheriff Number never did hang up his hat at Miss Kitty's place. <laughs> wagon Train, remember Wagon Train, oh, Ward Bond, and yeah, Robert Horton, John McIntyre, and then Laramie, right? Robert Fuller and Clint Walker, Cheyenne. He was Cheyenne Bodie. Cheyenne Bodie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the, then uh, there was a, another one called The Virginian, which was a big hit on TV. Doug McClure, James Drury. Lou Gulliger was in that one, and I remember that because Lou Gulliger made several appearances at Ghost Town over in Maggie Valley back in the 1960s when that was a popular TV show, The Virginian. You're right, and, and a lot of those cowboy actors would visit ghost town. They would mm-hmm. bring them in up there for a gun fight on <laughs> main street. You know, I guess my favorite, uh, for whatever reason, Linda Evans was one of the reasons, but one of my favorite <laughs> TV Westerns was the big Valley. That was great. That was Linda Evans. Barbara Stanwyck was in it. Lee majors, right? Was, uh, one of the stars. Yes, he was the yeah. big Valley. Always enjoyed the rifleman. Oh, yeah, I like uh, that. Yeah, that was a good right. show. There were so many of those wonderful TV shows, and, and and you can still find them. In fact, there's a cable network dedicated to old westerns, and I have a brother-in-law that's seen every one of them numerous times. My uh, late friend Wiley Carpenter that I worked with at 570. I remember Wiley. Yeah, he uh, was involved in a, in a western film memorabilia show and an expo thing in Asheville here back in the 90s. And it drew a lot of people. There's, uh, uh, I think he had uh, Lash Larue come in for the show one time. And remember the song "Whatever Happened to Randolph Scott" by the Statler Brothers? Yes, yes. Randolph Scott was another uh, cowboy actor, and I always envied my friends when I'd hear them talk about when they were young. They'd go to the movie theater and watch westerns on Saturday afternoon, 
And I never could do that for a couple of reasons. We didn't have the money, even though it was very cheap to get in. But due to the fundamentalist uh, upbringing I had, I wasn't allowed to go into a movie theater. Not on Saturday or any other day, huh? That's right. I was grown before I ever saw a movie in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was too. Uh, I remember the first movie ever went you stay to. stay them pool halls too. <laughs> yeah, they, you can stay and, and stay off them motorcycles. Uh, and, and don't go near that water till you learn to swim. And, uh, the first one I saw was that don't the eat dry- yellow snow either. <laughs> <laughs> was the, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. It was playing at a drive-in movie theater. My granddad lived during the days of Bonnie and Clyde and he wanted to go see that movie. And we got in his old farm truck and went to the drive-in theater. <laughs> you know what I think I'm going to do when we finish up? I'm going to turn on the TV and see if I can find an old Western. I think that's a good idea. Is that a good idea? I'd love to see gun smoke. Thank you, Dave, for all of the digging around you do for our show, Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan. He's the research analyst amongst us, and I'm the uh, audio producer. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave's the smarts, and I'm the oh. hard work. <laughs> so this is Hale and Farewell. No, this is Hogan and Farewell, one of my... DJ Heroes, when I was younger, was Bob Hale on WLS in Chicago. The big 89, WLS and in night, Chicago. They were, yeah. they, were, uh, they, they were one of the stations that you get in western North Carolina. Right, right. One of the DJs was Bob Hale, and his sign-off was, this is Hale and Farewell. Hale and Farewell. So it doesn't quite work with hogan and farewell but i'll (laughs) say it anyway this is hogan and farewell thank you dave and i'll catch you later we'll be back with more hot mic with houston and hogan thanks for tuning in be sure to click the subscribe button for another episode of hot mic with randy houston and dave hogan